Hello and welcome to The Book Album, your place for everything related to reading and language. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gens. Now, bookmark that book and let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Hello and herzlich willkommen zu unserem podcast. Welcome back. I feel refreshed and ready to go, ready to record after my sabbatical, except for one thing, of course, the day that I scheduled to record this episode, my first one back, I got the dreaded virus that everyone has been cowering in the wake of for the past few years, year and a half, two years, however long it's been. So excuse my voice, excuse me if I need to pause or cut or take a moment. I'm sure my editing skills need some rebooting as well, so it'll be a fun episode in a lot of regards, but first of all, I just want to say welcome back to all of you, my listeners. Thank you all so much for going back into the back catalog, it seems like, from the stats and picking some random episodes from the archive that you'd like to listen to. It's really informative for me always to see the episodes from the past that people are listening to. And it's so interesting. We've got a lot of Dickens going on. Haruki Murakami, I did an episode on Norwegian Wood like forever ago (laughs) that has resurfaced quite a bit uh, in the past months during my sabbatical. So I appreciate that feedback and also, as always, just in general for your support. There are so many people who don't have a platform or a space where they feel comfortable taking a sabbatical, and I am so fortunate that I am one of those people who feels comfortable taking a break, knowing that there will be people listening on the other end. Um, And, you know, I don't, I think part of that is I don't make a living off of this, obviously. I don't put any sort of pressure on myself to quote-unquote perform or quote-unquote produce. The quality is something that I demand of myself because I love quality for quality's sake, and it's something that I genuinely strive towards because I love producing really great quality work, not because I think it's going to earn me something at the end of the day. So without further ado, let's get into what I learned from my sabbatical. The first thing is, and I'm going to really, really try not to harp on cliches, (laughs) cliches about breaks or about self-care or about sabbaticals. Um, The first thing is that sabbaticals are necessary. And I think this is something that if you had asked people 50 years ago, maybe even 30 years ago, they would have said, yeah, sabbaticals are necessary. I think growing up, I had the misconception that sabbaticals were something European, that they were (laughs) something that only the rich could do. And this is maybe something that, you know, can diverge into a political discussion, which I'm not going to go there at all. You would not be able to guess my views on that, and I'm not being sarcastic. (laughs) They're they're quite... uh, I have a lot of disparate views, I should say. I try not to limit the complexity of them, of any issue, especially this one. But sabbaticals, to me, again, growing up, were something that I never thought were necessary, never thought were possible, and this sabbatical has proven me wrong. 
Um, the time that I took off, I thought I was going to be, I knew I was going to use the time, but I didn't realize how much and how quickly it would get filled. <laughs> and I'll get into later in the episode what I actually ended up doing during my sabbatical and how that time got put to use. <laughs> um, also, during a sabbatical, I think the core reason why I realized sabbaticals were necessary is that I found out very quickly what is essential. What is essential in terms of my recreational life? Because my sabbatical, I took off not only uh, from podcasting, but I took off from reading. So I wasn't really reading these past few months either. And I will say there's really nothing, aside from like my full 9 to 10 hours of sleep, that I missed more than podcasting and reading these last few months. And I think that was really instructive for me because I did get to a point earlier this year when I was just really in the grind, like, and I love the grind, you all know, but I was like too far into the grind and I was just like popping out episodes and it was just so relentless to me. And I kept questioning like, why does this feel like a chore suddenly? It's not that I didn't love the content I was producing, it's not that I didn't love the books I was reading, all of that like still remained. It was just that the external stress stressors and the external pressures from my life were starting to take over in a way that prevented me from enjoying the time that I was putting in. Because the time was coming out of things like sleep and other, you know, in social engagements, for example. And I often don't have a problem with that if it's like once a month. But I do have a problem with that when it becomes uh, consistent and it becomes sort of parasitic in that way. Um, and I never ever want anything in my life, especially something I enjoy, something that is recreational, something that's spiritually uplifting for me in that sense. I never want something like that to become parasitic. <laughs> the second thing that I learned from my sabbatical is that tough seasons end. And this is something that is, of course, quite ironic maybe to talk about or quite like not fitting for right now. Like I have the Rona. Uh, I am not done. I'm not graduated yet because Northwestern's schedule is offset. So we start later and we end later. Um, so I've got a couple more weeks. I've got more finals left uh, before graduation. I do not have those degrees in my hand yet. Um, but at the same time, I can see this quarter and this year and this uh, undergraduate experience coming to an end. Um, and I think that taking this sabbatical was as much an indication of how tough the season was for me as anything else, right? As um, the sleeplessness, sleeplessness was, as um, any number of other things that I had to revise or let go. I talked a lot earlier in the year about how my schedules were all out of whack. I talked about this especially on Patreon if you all were listening to those episodes. And 
it just really seemed relentless and endless and there is something later in the episode coming that I don't want to spoil <laughs> so keep listening um, until the end and you'll find out but it really was like it's this quarter was 10 weeks long and I knew at the start it was gonna be a tough one but a fun one I'd hoped it wasn't as fun as I'd hoped but it was definitely tough um, and it was like every two weeks there was something huge that just kind of landed in my lap and I had to decide what to do with it. Um, and at the end of two of the two weeks, you know, of this quarter, that thing was the virus. <laughs> and so, you know, taking a few days off during finals to recover from that has been challenging in its own ways. Um, and I'm still recovering even to this day. I have a lot of the fatigue kind of symptoms still. But that is all to say that even though it was tough, even though I had to rely on support systems in a way that I never had, even though I've had to take this sabbatical, which I didn't anticipate ever having to take in my four years of podcasting, I learned that tough seasons end. Point number three is that creativity comes with a schedule. One of the first books that I started reading after my sabbatical from reading a couple of weeks ago ended. I ended that personal sabbatical a couple of weeks before I started planning for podcasting again. And the first one of the first books that I read was Daily Rituals by Mason Curry. This is for a book club I have with my roommate. And I think one of the things I was so struck by with this book, Daily Rituals, which essentially is a, an anthology. It compiles all of these daily routines or daily schedules of these intellectuals, creatives, authors, composers, philosophs, all sorts of individuals who were otherwise successful in the public eye, um, and just talks about them. Um, in the introduction, Curry mentions how um, they wanted to talk about the authors and their schedules in their own words as much as possible. So a lot of the book is simply excerpted from various interviews, various uh, self-reported albums or memoirs, what have you. And this main takeaway that I, that I got is that creativity comes with a schedule. I mean, it surprised me certainly like how many other kind of roadblocks these people dealt with and there are trends in terms of like substance abuse and things like that that we're not going to get into today but I do I am fascinated by how the more routine people are the more their creativity allows them to produce um and you know it's not like it's not like these people are, are completely 100% or 200% inspired every day. You know, it's like they treat creative work like a job. And they treat their morning hours often or evening hours or whatever working hours they're using, they're treating it like a space where they sit down and work, period. And they don't let, like, inspiration or creativity or other things get in their way. And that's something that coming out of being sick and coming out of isolation in the next few days, I've really taken to heart. And that's something that I've been able to implement in my own life even, is kind of put podcasting, put my other creative work, my writing, my reading, 
on a schedule and stick to the schedule and the production just comes and the creativity just comes and that's something that um, has been so instructive for me during my various sabbaticals as I've had time to go back to the drawing board, revisit what I want to do with the podcast next, where I want to take it, and also just think about how I want to structure my the behind-the-scenes work of the podcast, right? Whether it's recording or editing, whether it's uh, drafting outlines or scripts for the podcast, all of that work for me has come at various times in the process <laughs> during different cycles of the, the show. There are some cycles where I've been very heavy on the behind-the-scenes work and I do like months of prep for each episode and there are times when the episodes are much more spontaneous and I honestly don't have a preference between the two but I do think that certain episodes lend themselves to certain types of preparation and that's something that I've been very intentional about reviewing during my sabbatical. The fourth thing kind of blends into the fifth thing, uh, which is that the personal should be settled before the professional. And this is something that I knew intuitively and I knew instinctually, but I didn't have the opportunity to put into practice until my sabbatical. This quarter, my personal affairs kind of took over and really started to override everything else that I was doing in my spare time and like I said including like social engagements including like my own daily habits all of those things started to become usurped by all of the personal craziness that was happening um and so I'll get into number five which is what's next for me and what's next for the show which is the biggest thing I think that I've learned from my sabbatical other than the other philosophical things I've mentioned. So I won a grant last year, like January 2021, and it was a grant to circumnavigate the world. Clearly, I wasn't going to do that in 2021. There were still a lot of wild happenings <laughs> with regard to the virus. Um, there were still too many restrictions to allow me to travel as widely as the grant required. Uh, which is five countries over three different continents over a minimum of 10 weeks. So I was graciously able to push that grant to this summer, and I'll be traveling around the world for five countries, three continents, um, all the meridians <laughs> um, this summer. And I'm so in, I'm so grateful, number one, I'm so in awe, number two. Um, I'm doing a linguistic research project on how different English as a second language programs uh, treat accent training in the classroom. That's a metric I've been really interested in my linguistics research for a long time. That's something I hope to explore more in my graduate research. Um, and I get to do that in a very, very unique arena, and I hope to, uh, with the results and with the things that I explore in terms of the research to motivate changes in the way we teach ESL in the U.S., um, not only on a local level in terms of my own ESL teaching, but also uh, on a more broad scale with uh, 
especially a lot of the government ESL programs that we implement in the States. Uh, in terms of what happened else this quarter, I got a fellowship. It was, uh, <laughs> kind of, I, I don't want to say it was a surprise. I put a lot of work into it, but I'm, I'm never married to anything I apply for. That's something I've applied for dozens and hundreds of scholarships in my time. I started applying to two scholarships a week my junior year of high school, and I applied to over 60 scholarships to try to help pay for college, uh, and I got none of them. I, I got none of them. So I applied for probably three-fourths of a year, junior year of high school, two a year, or two a week, uh, and I got none of them, like I said. So uh, I learned really quickly, and that with music and all the auditions that I took, all the no's that I got, all the performances that I just, you know, failed at and did horribly at, and all the auditions for college I took, or even late high school, all of those really taught me just never to be so, like, convinced about my success in anything. And that's been, it's not to say that I have a low confidence level or something like that. That's to say that I treat the opportunities I'm given as gifts, as something that's so remarkable and special. I acknowledge the work that I put into them as I have acknowledged the work that I put into the grant and setting up the research and preparing the trip, um, but I also recognize that there's a lot externally that helps put that award or put that opportunity in, um, in my purview. And, you know, that, some of that is not up to me. Some of that is, um, not circumstantial, but some of that is, you know, what the grant committee really wants out of their money or what, um, what kind of, what kind of other applicants there are. You know, there are a lot of things that are not in my control, um, and all I can do at the end of the day is put as much work as I can into something, as much love, as much prayer, as much intentionality, um, as much life into something as I can, and then let it go. And if it comes back to me, then that's awesome. And I'm going to be a better steward of that, too, moving forward. Um, and I hope that's what I've done so far with the Circumnavigator. Um, that's something that I continue just to care about so much and put so much love into, um, and so much intentionality, so much organization, <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, I want to be safe when I travel, COVID-wise and, um, you know, sexual assault-wise and things like that. So just being as intentional as I possibly can be with all the solo travel that I'm going to do. And of course, with budget and things like that. Um, but yeah, so I was awarded a fellowship like week four or week five of the quarter. Um, and I thought to myself, this is going to be the only fellowship I win. I applied to three fellowships for grad school and for jobs in uh, the fall of 2021. And so I accepted it uh, preliminarily or provisionally, and I was so excited. Uh, this was, I'm not going to name the fellowship, I'm not going to name uh, either one that I've gotten um, because of personal reasons and personal privacy, but I was awarded this first fellowship. I started my preparation work, it was a fellowship abroad, and I was so excited to start sharing my move and what country it was going to be to and everything with you all. 
And then uh, about two or three weeks later, I got an email um, that I had a message in this portal and I was accepted to another fellowship. And I just thought to myself, you know, this the second fellowship was my dream. Um, that was a fellowship I never in a million years thought I would get. Um, and it's a fellowship that pays for grad school. And, you know, this going to grad school in linguistics, um, probably no surprise to any of you, has been my number one dream since I started my freshman year at Northwestern. I've also wanted to go to Germany for as long as I have been at Northwestern. I pretty much started in German 101. It was like, when I graduate, I'm going to live in Germany. <laughs> that was sort of my, I've been putting that into the world for so long. Um, so I, yeah, I got a, I got a full ride to grad school in Germany. Um, meaning, of course, you know, week six or seven of the quarter, I had to apply to grad schools um, and finish those applications. The German grad school system is quite different than in the U.S., as you can imagine. So I definitely did a lot of uh, writing <laughs> last minute, you know, and the applications aren't due until mid-July, but I decided I would be, it would behoove me to get those in as soon as possible, to check my boxes, dot my I's, cross my T's with those, and just get them in. So the grad applications are all in. All of that uh, is, is essentially settled, and I'm just waiting on now decisions for where I'm going to be in Germany next year. But yeah, essentially the big news uh, is after traveling the world, I'm going to move to Germany. In terms of what's next for the show, I have thought a lot about this. I'm actually going to do a couple episodes starting this month in June about reading about the book that I wrote, uh, because I also wrote a book when I was on sabbatical, so I, maybe it wasn't really a sabbatical in y'all's eyes, it wasn't mine, <laughs> but um, I wrote a book, um, it, I wrote it for my senior thesis in the German department, um, and I'm super excited to like put that out into the world, and um, you know, it's an academic text, but I've had people read it. Uh, they say it's approachable, so I hope they're telling the truth and they're being genuine in that regard, um, which I'm sure they are. But yeah, I wrote a book, and I'm going to talk about um, more of this Daily Rituals book by Mason Curry. I've really wanted to do a Hemingway short story series, um, so how consistent that will be, I can't promise at this moment because I'm still in the middle of all the organizational stuff for the next 10 episodes. Um, but in terms of what June is going to look like, I'm definitely going to do a lot more of the behind the scenes of my sabbatical, again, reading the book that I wrote, all the things that I've learned, which is this episode, um, and then going forward, I would definitely like to revisit the Summer Young Adult series that I started last summer. I've been meaning to read The Host by Stephanie Meyer for several years. I've read it once, maybe twice when I was a kid, um, and I haven't read it since, so I want to re read that for sure. Um, it's based in Arizona, 
where I'm from, so that might be a nice book to read while I'm traveling uh, on my Kindle. I may do another Kindle episode while I'm traveling, we'll see. If episodes about where I'm traveling, like one episode per place, for example, would be of interest to you, let me know and I will definitely do some travel podcasts. I think that would be a lot of fun for me. Um, in terms of other content-based episodes, I've been really meaning to get down to Russian lit for some time, and I'm still tossing ideas in the air of how I'm going to do that. I've wanted to read Brothers K for forever. There's a couple other books, so I might start with something shorter, like a book by Nabokov, Pale Fire is one that I've been meaning to read for ages. Um, and I've really wanted to do more Murakami, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, for some time. So Murakami, I've been basically binge reading Murakami all year. Um, Murakami is an author who I can just read endlessly because my writing style and my way of thinking is so different from at least what I can read in his translated works. So that's been very, very nice for me to take a step back and just think, okay, I can write, I can write without fear that I'm going to plagiarize Murakami's style. And that's something that's very important to me is, is delineating what I'm reading from how I'm writing. And yeah, that's really all. Hemingway, some Russian lit upcoming, maybe some travel if you guys are interested. Leave a comment at relevanceofliterature.com slash notes under the show notes for this episode. Um, my book and at all. <laughs> and then uh, some Murakami. All right, y'all. Thank you all for hanging in with me. I appreciate your support as always, and I will see you next Monday. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to hear more from us, we've done everything from Shakespeare to Dracula. There really is a show and a series for everyone, so I'd recommend checking out our website at relevanceofliterature.com under the ongoing series tab for links to our entire back catalog of episodes, as well as any current goings-on of our show. If you are looking for even more content, we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash relevanceofliterature. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll see you next time.